everybody. Welcome to the book leads impactful books for life and leadership. I'm your series host and leadership performance coach, John Jermillo. This podcast series is about getting to the books that have impacted the lives of the people in my network, whether it be old friends, new friends, colleagues, new colleagues, whoever it may be. I consider these great leads to get to those books that have impacted them, um, show them the way that they're operating in is like the best way that's provided the best value for their family, for their relationships, for their business. So in this series, I cover three categories of books, books that they're sharing with me that I haven't read, books that we've read specifically for the series or whether we read it before we covered the, the or spoke in the episode. And then the third category is uh, books that are brought onto the series by authors and publishers to get the message of what they're trying to share out there to this audience. And my guest today will be Camille L. Miller, and we'll be discussing one of her books that I haven't gotten to yet. I do have the copy right here, Camille, that you sent me. But for Camille, she's recognized as the pioneer of the sole professional movement. She's on a quest to assist entrepreneurs in building authentic businesses that impact the world. She founded the first global professional organization celebrating the evolution of soul-aligned entrepreneurs who are ready to awaken their financial and spiritual potential. Camille is a transformational leader and celebrated influencer in the field of entrepreneurship. She recently released her debut book, The Ultimate Guide to Creating Your Soul Aligned Business, which hit Amazon bestseller status in six categories, including starting a business and ranked number three behind Joe Disp Dispenza and Brene Brown in personal transformation and spirituality. She's currently working on her second book, which will be released this summer in July 2023, the ultimate guide to becoming a successful soul professional, 22 powerful strategies to grow your soul aligned business. And Camille believes there is no great secret to creating a massively profitable business that aligns with your soul's purpose. There is, however, a need to shift your mindset to get there. And Camille and I met through one of my partners in crime and my co-host of the podcast, Mindset Talks Life Beyond the Checkboxes, Prati Kaufman. Prati's a marketing energy coach, and she was also on this series in episode 27 where we covered The Alchemist. So please check out that episode. But all that being said, Camille, thanks for joining me. You are welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This is a, kind of a fun way to do a podcast because I've never, I talked about my own book, but just books in general. Yeah. Um, I have a reading is, problem. The series so started in, in one capacity, kind of picking my network's brain to get to those books. And then in the process, I just found out how much I learned from my network about them in that process. So the questions just haven't changed, but I'm, I'm, I lean more towards the stories my authors or my guests are telling me and sharing with me. So, you know what? I mean, it's a new experience for you. It's yeah. a new experience for me. So, um, <laughs> but for you, Camille, uh, what, what is it that you do in your day to day? What's, what's the work that you're doing? Uh, obviously I presented the bio and it gives an overview, but what does it yeah. look like the work that you're providing for your clients? Um, I build community. That's literally what I'm doing. And uh, my goal is really connecting those growth-minded, soul-aligned entrepreneurs all over the world in a global way uh, so we can come together as a collective voice and impact the world. Because I think the world needs our gifts. The world needs our businesses. I believe that a paradigm shift happened in the world. It is still happening, but it happened a while ago before the pandemic. The pandemic just made it more real of people really wanting to align who they are with what they do. Um, and in my own life, I felt I was playing more of the role of the professional. 
and I wasn't really honoring who I am inside the authentic holistic side of myself. Uh, so I wanted to bring those worlds together. And I also wanted to be credible as a professional because I think a lot of times I was, um, um, not taking seriously, or I was looked at as less than because of this side of me. Um, so it was really my quest to bring these amazing minds, right? Of people building these brand new businesses in this paradigm shift and uh, bring them together so we can make, make more of a global impact. So what I do every day is just build community, introduce people to each other, uh, help people with their strategy, their operations, and, you know, meet people that have the answers and are doing it. What are, can you just share some of the offerings that you have in building that community, what people can take away as benefits uh, in, in terms of the membership and what they get to yeah. build those businesses and so on? Yeah. So the idea when I first launched was to give resources and help to anyone building a business in alignment anyone at all. We still do that today, but I wanted to really rank up there with the American Medical Association, the Bar Association, or any association that holds its members to a higher standard. And there's really no organization like it, a professional organization, not a networking community, but a professional organization for entrepreneurs, right? There's, there's a few communities out there, but it's usually a coach or something who's selling to that community. And I wanted it to be very different. I want this to be more the legacy I leave in the world. And I think that's the difference. Um, but this community has a free level. So anyone can join us. And if you're soul aligned, it'll make sense. If not, you probably won't stick around. Uh, and we give yeah. free classes and master classes. And uh, we have a full learning library. And we have two uh, networking events every single month at the free level. And a free Facebook group where everyone can chat and learn from each other uh, and build each other up. And then we have two premium paid membership levels. And those offer mentorships mm -hmm. under masters that have already created very successful businesses. It could be in mindset. It could be in business design. It could be in operations. I do one called Coffee with Camille, where we just talk about um, some business topic every single month. Uh, there's marketing. We have one called Woo and Wealth that's run by a CPA. Uh, and to run a business class, you have to be making a half a million dollars or more. Uh, and it's part of the community to give back. So in some instances, I'm a mentor, but in others, I'm still a student, right? And it's recognizing that we all have gifts and we all have things to learn. Um, and then the top premium level is really the mastermind where we come together, we're talking strategy and operations and really getting help and best secrets, best kept secrets from and advice from those that have already done it. So it's, it's a place where you're surrounded by success. And I think that is the most important thing in business is surround yourself with people that are already where you want to be. So in every single level from those just starting out to those over a million dollars, there's a space in the community to come together and share. Out of curiosity, Camille, what kind of change did you see in the community during the pandemic? So we went to an online model in 2018 because I heard of this thing called Zoom and mm -hmm. thought, wow, you know, we are probably going to be needing this. And I think this is the future of the world and how we're going to do business. So I started training and we brought it into our community in January of 2018. And I started doing my coffee with Camille's online and I was yeah. teaching people how to do it. So 
when the pandemic hit, it actually helped, did not hinder us, right? Because we were already online. We never had chapters in the first place. We we did meet in person, but they were more regional for yeah. whoever wanted to. Like we, we actually now have a Northeast hiking group, right? Where we just go and we hike the mountains and we talk. Um, but it wasn't the soul of what we were doing, right? The soul of what we're doing was always done on Zoom anyway. So for us, yeah. it made it better. Um, the only thing that really pivoted was um, getting people to the mindset of this was a time of growth, not not a time to go small. You know, we had a lot of people that are in service and they and they felt bad charging people where they could help out most. Um, yeah. But I ended up launching a podcast over it and it's called six figure souls doing good and making money. And it was to show that people can do service in the world and do good things and still make money. Making money is important to have impact. So, you know, there were some really good things that came out of the pandemic. And I think that year we had 98% renewal rate uh, and we didn't lose anybody and that, that like no businesses went under. And I think that was the most important part. Yeah. Of keeping everyone together and talking to each other and know that there's a community of support and we were all going to get through it. And we did. And aside from the business aspect, did you see any change in mentality in, in your clients or, or membership, new membership, because of the alignment of value, of personal value to work and how that shifted during the pandemic? Did you see more people sign on or people pivot themselves or- double yeah. down because of that? So we see it more now, right? On the other side of the pandemic, while it was happening, people were still in that fear mode. But as we came out of it, uh, especially people that were always thinking, huh, I could do something else or wow, I've been home for a while. And, you know, I kind of like having my space and working from home and not commuting and seeing my kids or having lunch outside or being home for dinner. And, and, People started to say, you know what, there's there's more to this. And how yeah. can I create a business that sustains me uh, and I can live the life I really want more fully? Um, that's the biggest change we've seen. And we're still going through it. We, we, we used to really cater to people that were about 45 to 65. And that change of that aha moment, they've made it to the top of their career levels. And they're like, oh, I thought there was more. Yeah. You know, I thought yeah. this would feel different. I thought success was, you know, the pretty cars and the big house and the glorious trips. And, you know, now I have it all and it's not feeling as good mm -hmm. as I thought. Um, but now, especially this 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 year, I would say in the last six months or maybe right before 2023, um, we are starting to get 30 year olds late twenties, early thirties going, I'm not even going in that direction. I'm just starting what I want now. And it has to be an alignment and they're nomads. They're traveling all over the world. So that's why when we jump on a call, I always say, where are you joining us from today? Yeah. You know, put it in the chat because people move around the world and I'm not sure where they are anymore, yeah, uh, but it's opened up a whole new conversation for us. We, we have something called the global cafe now, where we just talk about, you know, culture and changes and currency and how are you doing things, time zones, you know, things that change with this global enterprise. You know, most of us, like myself, I, my staff is all over the world. So literally we're running 24 hours a day. Uh, but I think that's the future too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So 
yeah, I think the change is still happening and people are kind of adjusting to it, but it's all good. And for me, it's exciting. Like I love, I love conversation. So just learning about people all over the world and what they want. Yeah. And my job is to tell them they can have it, whatever you want. If you can dream it, you can have it. So let's figure out how we make money doing it. So because you brought up the example of somebody that's in their 50s or 60s at the tail end of their career, you know, they have the house, the this, the that, but then they say that that piece is missing, that, you know, this is success, but something is missing to fulfill them. What does that mean to you? What does fulfillment mean to you? Or what, even if you don't have a definition, what is it? What is that direction that you yourself, Camille, are working in? Yeah. So I think success, success is defined differently for everyone. But for me, I used to go for the car, the fancy house, the title, the money. And I reached a point where that no longer meant too much to me. I actually downsized five years ago. I divorced. Uh, I live a much simpler life now. Uh, my, my twins are actually seniors in college. My oldest one just graduated. So I'm literally coming over this financial hump. <laughs> right? Congrats. <laughs> And now I'm on the other side of it and I just want to travel. That's, that's, that's my big thing is traveling. Uh, I'm taking the next year to actually clear out the belongings I still have that are attached usually to kids. Um, and just kind of clearing out and simplifying. Um, I always, since I, um, launched NLBP was to be able to travel all over the world. I just wasn't at the point where I could do it. So I kind of prepared for this, yeah. um, you know, and building this business so I can run it anywhere in the world. Uh, but my definition of success now is being able to send my three kids plane to so we can still have family dinners. What was that? I, I Sorry, I cut out. Oh, sorry. Uh, my, um, my definition of success now is to be able to send my three kids plane tickets anywhere in the world to meet me for dinner. Yeah. It's amazing how it shifts, uh, your definition of, of success when you're younger, it could be the house, it could be the money, it could be the car, whatever it is. Right. Yeah. It's always like overload. And I found like, just doing more remote work and having more time with my kids and having those moments. It's yeah. amazing how it shifted to more freedom. Um, and you hear that all the time that it, sh- it shifts from the material to just freedom like that, your ability to come and go as you want to, to work what you want to work on to, to make it your choice, what your day looks like. So it's amazing yeah. how we figure that out typically later in life. But, you know, hopefully with these younger people, 20s and 30s signing on for everything that you have to offer, hopefully they're on that path to seeing that it's not it's not the former, it's that latter. It's that management and just freedom of time. Yeah. I, I think from what I see that this, the newer generation already knows all that. I, I grew up in the 80s. I was in high school and college in the 80s. And it was a very um, materialistic time in the world. Like That's when designer jeans came out and designer <laughs> sneakers and fast cars and fancy watches. That yeah. We didn't have that before, right? So everyone really wanted to, they thought that was building wealth, right? There's a big difference between new money and old money, right? That was, that was flashy. The funny thing now is that I know that when you have money, you actually don't really buy flashy things. 
the people that need to prove that they're wealthy <laughs> by flashy things, That's right? That when true, you yeah. have the money, I drive a Honda now. I drove a Porsche when I was 25. I drive yeah. a Honda now, <laughs> right? Yeah. It, big, big difference because I, I want less. I just, I want less. But I think the the generations today didn't want to grow up in the 80s, right? They they already have it in the world and they realize that it's not adding anything to their lives and who they are. It's more about experiences and people that, you know, that's what changes the world. Yeah, that's amazing. I think that's definitely a conversation I want to have with my kids or just kind yeah. of set an example or, you know, because when you're when you're younger, you are impressionable, but maybe they, they start seeing things um, much in line of, of what we're talking here. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see, you know, time will tell. Yeah, Camille, to understand why you're doing the work you're doing now, can you tell me a little bit about where your career started? Uh, yeah. Whether it was as far back as you having an idea of what you wanted to do when you were a kid or high school or going into college, what you studied, what was it that set you on the path? Maybe not to now because it's unpredictable where you're going to end up, but it's where you started. So it's part of your story. Yeah, so I've always been a leader since the beginning of time. I was, you know, uh, a high school and college athlete, always the captain of the team, you know, always was always that one. I am an introvert, though. Most people don't know that. Um, But I. How do you explain uh, that then? Yeah, um, because when I'm in small things or know what I'm talking about, smaller conversations, um, I enjoy that. But I don't need outside validation in any way. I don't need mm. the party. I don't need the loud music. I like to sit home and read. Um, and I'd rather not talk to people, if that's a funny <laughs> way. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm one that always struggled going to networking events. So now when I, still I hold do. them. I still yeah, do. Like yeah. even as an introvert, like people need to understand introversion is more about, I mean, people's introversion is different. Yeah. But it's more about energy. It's not shy. It's not being shy or anything like that. Like I wrote in a book, uh, I contributed a chapter to a book, and I wrote about the qui- the triad of quiet for me as a kid was not being confident, being shy, and being an introvert. And they're three yeah. very different things, but they lead to you just being more introspective, more observational. And yeah. it's funny you bring that up because people are like, you're so full of shit. There's no way you're an introvert. You know, you love speaking in front of people. You love doing this podcast. You're on the effing screen. Like, how are you an introvert? When you're talking about something you're pumped up about, when you yeah. find something that is just you to the core, when it's an extension of you, you could talk about it for days. It's 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 just a it's an amazing feeling. But like you said, to go to a networking event and repeat the same story to all these different peoples, to me that is exhausting. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I feel like my networking exponentially grew during the pandemic because we were like uh in virtual forums where everybody's hearing everything at once and you're not kind of repeating yourself, you know, passing yeah. a card and shaking hands. Everybody can kind of hear your story. People will reach out in the chat to want to talk. But I, I love the fact that you bring up that you're an introvert just because of the, the reach that you have and the work that you do. Yeah. People may yeah. not reconcile the two, but here it is. Yeah. that's I'm an introvert. The way I teach others and who I attract in the world are usually introverts. We're all creatives. Creatives are normally introverts, right? And creatives are usually the entrepreneurs of the world. They usually align with someone who's an extrovert. So I tend to have very extroverted friends, extroverted partners, like extrovert people around me. 
Have you but read this book, Camille? Which one? Uh, there it is. The Creative Act, The Way of Being. No, I have not. It's by Rick Rubin. Like For all my friends that consider themselves creatives, even if you're not and you want to take a chance, not you, but in general, right. uh, take a chance on reading a book about creativity. It's it's powerful. I mean, this is the guy that was a producer for the Beastie Boys, Run DMC, Jay-Z, like all these artists across different genres. And he just goes into what... Um, kind of like his style he's saying this isn't the way that everybody should do it but this is the way that i see creativity so you mentioned creativity you may be interested in so in, in that book yeah i'll have to put that on my list yeah um yeah i i'm always been creative but i my creativity comes in quietness mm. right so i was never someone who could work nine to five like because an idea might come at 2 a.m right yeah. that's why i keep paper and pen next to me at all times yeah. right and i've just figured out ways to develop it but um, but anyway, you talked about you asked about my history. So in college, I actually my first degree is in psychology. I wanted to be a counseling psychologist. I worked at a crisis center. Then I worked um, at a group home and I realized, oh, my God, I hate this. Uh, so that did not last very long. Um, I ended up going into business and working in nonprofits to help because I was volunteering. And someone said to me, hey, you know, you can get you can get a. Um, this is a job. You could get paid for this. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. So uh -huh. that started my not-for-profit career. Um, I ended up, I was working for a hospital and they paid for my MBA. So then I got an MBA in business. I was deciding at that time, if I should go to medical school, my father was a doctor and he suggested I do not, that I change medicine from the uh, administrative side and to go get my MBA. So I worked for a hospital, they paid for my MBA. And I thought that would be a new career for me. Um, but what I ended up doing was actually becoming a not-for-profit executive. Uh, and I worked my way up through. Um, I did have a little stint as a real estate agent and broker. I owned a, a real estate company for a while, uh, but then went back into strategic management for nonprofits when my kids were young. Uh, more because someone in town knew my past and they're like, hey, can you help me out at this nonprofit? Uh, we, need, we need some help. It was a school for special needs kids. And I was like, sure, I'll help out. Went in, did a strategy plan. And then they're like, okay, now can we hire you to implement it? Because we have no idea how to do it. And that started the whole thing. And then people heard I was back in and um, it all started to um, grow again. But the job I had right before I created NLBP is I was the um, CEO and executive director for the Northeast Organic Farming Association uh, in New Jersey. So I was the CEO for the state of New Jersey, and I later became president of the entire Northeast, which put me in Washington working on our organic label and wow. in our organic caucus with our um, senators, but most importantly, talking about genetically modified food and your health and your body and your gut. Um, and then I started working in my doctorate on um, first nutrition, but then I switched out and um, went to mind-body medicine. But through all of it, I feel like every every section launched this new hyper-focus of learning something new. Uh, but it was really in this role as in, um, in agriculture that I met all of these soul-aligned people people that were playing this role as a professional, but really lived 
a holistic lifestyle. They were eating organic, they were using alternative medicine, and that's really who I was at my core. So my first time, I got to bring my whole self to work, exactly who I was. So when that job ended in 2015, it was defunded by the USDA. I like to say because we were making so much traction. Um, uh, I found myself kind of searching for what's next in life. What are my next career? And although I had offers from hospitals and universities, I realized in that moment that money was no longer the factor that kept me going. I already had all the stuff. I had the titles. But for the first time, I was making such an impact. And I wanted to continue that. So in my quest trying to look for that, I was looking for business organizations. And when I um, went to a few of them, I found that they were very aggressive or not accepting of who I was or what I did. And if I went to a holistic organization, it was way too woo-woo. It wasn't grounded in professional principles or core Mm -hmm. values. And I wanted both. And I also, more than anything, wanted credibility as a sole professional. Sole professional is what we trademarked and we call it today. Uh, But a sole professional lives in a higher vibration, has an alternative approach to business, and is here to repair the world, to help repair the world. So um, that's how I ended up doing it. We started as a little coffee club, literally, in New Jersey. Uh, What year was that? uh, I wrote the business plan in 2015, and we launched in early 2016. Wow. And then at the end of 2017, I got a call from California with someone saying, oh, my God, I heard about you. I can't wait for you to get out here. And I knew in that moment that I did not have a sustainable model. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was a single mom at that point of three young kids who I had full time. I did not have weekends off. Um, So uh, I heard of this thing called Zoom. And... uh, in 2018, I launched as the first professional organization, no chapter, all Zoom online model. And I believe that the future of entrepreneurship was going in that direction. <laughs> so so that worked out really well. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, Camille, what, is, uh, what does leadership mean to you? So I think that's, excuse me, I think that's also different for everyone, but leadership for me is more being a role model, right? It's not having all the answers. Mm. And I'm someone who leads from behind. I more want to pump up everyone in front of me and make sure that they have the life that they want, that they desire. And it's my job to give it to them, right? So even for the people that work for me, uh, it, which is a different type of leadership than the people that I'm leading through a community, right? It's really about being the best role model I can be. I love when people say, oh my gosh, you're the most incredible boss I ever had. You know, I, I had this young woman that worked for me. Um, she's probably married with kids now. Um, but in the not, in actually in that nonprofit I just spoke about who, um, you know, when I moved on, she's like, hey, you know, I have this wall of women I want to be like in life, this like wall of leaders. Can you send me a headshot? And I just want to put it up on my wall. And I was like, holy crap, that's amazing. You know, just to just to be loved. And I still hear from people I even trained in business from years ago, mm. you know, that I was an inspiration. And that to me is the mark of a leader. Like when people from your past say, hey, you had such yeah. an impact on my life. 
um, that's important. And, and hopefully I'm still doing that for a lot of people, not only that work for me, but in the community, you know, I want to give them the resources they need to, you know, build the businesses that give them the lifestyle that they want. So for you in that definition and living that, where do you think that comes from for you? You mentioned that you were typically the captain of your sports teams. Yeah. Um, but there's a difference between everybody that's a captain on a sports team maybe may be a great leader later, but they may be leading from the front because they're so yeah. used to that. How did how did your style how did you craft your style of leadership where you thought about and I love that you say I lead from the back. Um yeah. some people may live that, they may operate that way, but you don't you don't you tend not to really hear that too much. Yeah. How did your style evolve so to what it is? I, it, I, it's completely natural. I didn't even actually know until later in life that I, cause it just, it's just who I was. Right. So because I'm an introvert, <laughs> I never wanted to be the face of anything. Yeah. Right. I always put other people, even, even today, my staff, I'm like, does anyone want to lead this? You'll see in my community, people lead all yeah, sorts seen, of things. I've seen, right? I've seen that. Yeah. And they're always like, Hey, we'd love to see you do a masterclass. Yeah. No, I'm not yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. right. You hear from me enough. So I do enough. Um, but I'd rather put other people before me. And, and I think it comes from being an introvert now in all fairness in sports, I probably was the best player, right? So you you led by a different example there yeah, in yeah. sports when yep. you were young. Um, but I always, I don't know, I'm a natural leader. I've learned that about myself. I just always pick up the pieces and go, you know, I try not to do that a lot in my personal life. And that's one of the things I had to learn. What we say of like letting go of that masculine energy yeah, and just yeah. allow it to be and not, not fix things, not going groups, and I'm the leader. So I try not to do that in my personal life and let someone else take control. But yeah, it's funny in these conversations hearing people say that that you know they're all in on their business, what they want to do, on fixing, and then having to step back in certain moments and not be that way. Um, however, you want to describe it, but yeah, it's yeah. it's interesting hearing that uh, that people need to kind of catch themselves and not wear that hat the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. It's easier to, yeah. you know, it's easier yeah. to just be in flow, but it, that was hard too. Cause I'm a recovering control addict. So <laughs> I've heard, I've heard that too. Yeah. No, yeah. I've heard that too. I just don't live in that space anymore. Yeah. What do you think it was just because you realized how much could be done when you kind of did sit back, provide what you could to the people you were leading, but kind of let them lead naturally from their own uh, yeah. skills, values. What was it that, what was the turning point? Was there a turning point? Yeah. So for me, it's been probably about five years and it really came, I think through my divorce, you know, that I realized that I was trying to control everything to be in a, cause I was in a, not a, such a great situation. And by controlling things, I kept control of things in my life. Right. So once I realized that, Right. I did go through counseling afterwards, but once I realized that I was like, okay, like I'm free now. I can just let go of all of this. And that was, I think the most freeing part of it is 
when you don't control things, sometimes you control more, but you're also open to so many possibilities that are always coming your way. If you just listen, they were always there, but you couldn't see them or hear them. Right. And now I come from a place of, I'm a much calmer person, but I also come from a place of let's see what happens. You know, like I, I, and I literally just kind of like, let's see what happens. (laughs) My kids don't (laughs) love that, but I'm like, Yeah. yeah. Whatever happens, we'll go from there. We'll fix it. We tweak it. We could, you know, but maybe something really amazing will happen too. So let's just go in that direction. So, yeah, I love that because, um, like I brought it up on here previous times and like in my the speeches I gave and whatnot, but I'm fascinated by Maslow's hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> like, obviously, I, not to go through all the layers, but the, the bottom is what you need to survive, right? Food, yes. shelter, security, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have a, I've given a presentation where it's like, you know, your your life is it essentially after your your security is built, you have your house, you have your home, clothes on your on your back, um, what you need to get to work, like all yeah. the life or death stuff. We overcomplicate life after that, like what we talked about, okay. right? The excess of the eighties, right? You have what you need, then you gotta. You feel you have to pile on all this other stuff, mm-hmm. but it's amazing when you when you get to that point. And obviously, you didn't think about your mindset because of this, but it's almost the same. Where it's kind of like, okay, I have you have your daughters are are safe, secure. You have your job, you have your shelter, you have your the clothes that the stuff that you need. Yeah, everything else is kind of like a bonus. Yeah, let's see what happens because like the security, the safety, all the things we need, the life or death stuff is taken care of. Everything else we can build, we can design. Um, so it's just amazing that you bring that up. Yeah. So one of the most aha moments I've had um, was actually during Superstorm Sandy. We took, we were in the house. We lived in a very large home in the middle of the woods. And um, we were getting ready for the storm because we always lost electricity. So it was, that was just kind of what happened. Right. So we were getting ready. The kids, we had the, you know, s'mores probably going and candles (laughs) and everything. And we had lost electricity and the kids were really excited because sometimes we camped out because we were doing it for like warmth and safety, but you know, it was, we always made it really, (laughs) we made it really fun for the kids. And all of a sudden we took a, an 80 foot tree to the center of the house. And it, came right through our house right and on the on the main floor we were safe but i remember my husband at the time looking at me and going the rains are going to come we're going to lose everything tonight so run through the house and decide what we'd actually need to live right and it was in that moment going what do i actually need and when you and we had a big house right and running through um and realizing oh my god i took my gold wedding ring and pictures of the kids and that was it yeah there was no and my laptop too (laughs) and i was like there was nothing else i actually needed and i went through every room and kind of went what's in here that i need what's in here that like and i remember my husband going go get your jewelry box (laughs) oh (laughs) yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah certain stuff if you can grab it yeah but it was so funny because it didn't even occur to my gold wedding ring was it. And that's actually the one I got married with, not the ones that were on my fingers. Okay. Right. Cause we had replaced them all. And, 
it, it was the most interesting thing and that aha moment of, oh my God, I've accumulated all this stuff and I don't need yeah. a thing. I don't need yeah. anything once I know that my kids were safe. Exactly. Right? And it was clearing out the house and moving everything out, out the, the top floors, how the thing came. But, so we were moving everything down off the top floors. We ended up not losing everything that night. The tree was still in the middle of the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it didn't rain like it was supposed to. And the next day we were able to tarp the roof and everything. So we didn't actually lose anything. But it was that moment was such a moment for me of I've accumulated all of this stuff and I don't need any of it. Yeah. So it was so interesting. We we divorced years later. I think that was what 2012. I think that was right. And um, we divorced in 2017. And I remember leaving the house. Five, that was five years later. And looking around, going, you know, I don't think I want any of it. And I literally, mm. <laughs> I, yeah. I literally just kind of <laughs> packed up, packed up the kids, and the kids and I left. And yeah. I left almost all of it there. And it was kind of this new beginning. And, and we live in a, in a much smaller house. And it's so beautiful because the kids are like, this is such a great house. Because we we moved to like a little borough where they could walk the streets. They could walk to school. They could go and do stuff. Not this yeah. huge farm, right? So they were like, this is the best move we made. And it was that realization that we just don't need it all. We don't need it. Like I brought all of their stuff, which now we're clear now because they're graduating college and it's been another five years. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, <laughs> but, but that's, let's go that's... to your house, get it out of mine. <laughs> yeah. But that's like the yeah. best visualization of that idea that I've had. It's like, yeah, what do you absolutely need? And then everything else is a bonus. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or, or bullshit, depending on, you know, yeah. what you tolerate. I think that's but... more it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't need it. And the, the, the interesting for me, I'm going through this right now as I just like buying my own house when I divorced was so big to me. Like, this is my house. Everything in its mind, I'm decorating it like I want to decorate. I'm painting it how I want to paint. And now it's five years. I'm like, God, I want to get rid of this goddamn house. I mean, <laughs> I yeah. mean it's so much work. Yeah. And I'm like, if it stops me from doing something else, then home ownership is not for me. I was like, I just want to move to a condo, let the kids visit, let me lock it up when I leave. Like, I don't want to deal with all of it. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. it's also stages in life, right? I couldn't imagine not having the house and the things that we had when the kids were little, right? They were really fortunate. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's not something I need or not something that actually really mattered after a while. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing all that. That's amazing. No. Um, yeah, at this point we can jump to the book, Camille. So okay. in your in your journey, your business, your organization, at what point do you decide that you want to put this book together? What was the journey to the book? What was that triggering moment? Yeah, so the book was uh just a fluke, actually. I met our publisher, Laura DeFranco, um, from Brave Healer Productions through someone else networking. Like, you know, oh, you got to meet this person. She's a dynamic woman. She'd be great. Very soul aligned. And we got on the phone not to write a book, not to do any of it. It was just meeting somebody. And uh, she told me what she did. And I was like, oh, my God, I think that's what I need to do. Like, I had always thought that I had a book in me. And I still probably do have a solo book in me. But I was never going to take that leap because I didn't think of myself as a writer. Uh, but, but it very clearly came to me that I needed to do this trilogy uh, with everyone else, right? Because I'm a leader, but I love putting other people first. Uh, how can I pull all these amazing minds and their stories together so I can give that to the world? 
mm-hmm. you know, because it was kind of like my podcast. It's kind of like what my podcast did. And I created this three-part series. We're in book two, which you are a co-author of as well. Um, but uh, it mimics the um, the organization I have, right? The free level, the mid-level, and the what we call our inner circle, our higher soul leaders. Um, and it's the first book is all about creating your soul aligned business. What does that look like? How do you take mm-hmm. the skills you have and create something? What What is even possible? Because so many times I hear, how do I make money doing this? Well, you yeah. can. Yeah, right? the, the, the trick is to do it in a way that you love it. You're not giving yourself another job. You know, and, and book two, which you named was about success. How do you, after you created, how do you get it to a place of success? And the third one will be on leadership and leaving your legacy. Because I think that's like, there's a reason why we do things. So yeah. what's the purpose more around it? And what do you want to leave in the world? That's amazing. So was it, it was, was, was it a matter of um, just kind of bringing together people you had already met, people that were already in your network, putting out the word to get this together? What, yes. how did you, how did you want to structure it? Yeah. So the first one um, was 25 authors. Right, 25 different stories, including myself. So I had to recruit 24. And I did put it out to my um, immediate network first. Um, and probably maybe maybe a third of them, quarter, a third, somewhere in there, I'm not exactly sure, uh, took up the opportunity. And okay. then I had to fill the rest. So I actually go to LinkedIn and I just started looking at profiles and asking people if they felt like being a part of it and filled the book that way. And it really wasn't that hard. Or if you bring in a really great author, sometimes they have a friend or someone they knew. So two thirds of those people I probably had never met before. Um, But, you know, I I had the openness of whoever's supposed to be in the book will be in the book. And that's okay. Uh, So we left it and we created some wonderful, you know, friendships and, and a lot of them still talk you know, are excited about the second book. They'll probably be on our launch team for the second book. So, and, and the second book, which you're in, um, only two of my original authors came back because this one was about success. And there was like, you had to be a little bit more successful than just creating it. Right. So this book, I was looking for different people. Um, and again, I went to LinkedIn um, I only have 22 in this book. The goal was 25. I hit 22. And then for like the next two days, I couldn't get anyone. And I went, I guess it's supposed to be 22. And that's, yeah. and I just stopped. I called Laura. I'm like, I'm done now. We're just going to go <laughs> ahead with 22 <laughs> because it, it was started to be work. Like I was pushing. Yeah. And as soon yeah. as I started pushing, I was like 22. It is. That's what it's supposed to be, 22. So what were, and obviously as part of the books, you you share your own story. You have your chapter as well. What yeah. what was it that you shared in the first book? And then if you could give a teaser for the second book yeah. for your, your chapter in that one, that'd be great as well. Yeah. So the first book was really pouring my story, a little bit of what I told you of why I created it, you know, just trying to find my people in the world and why I thought it was really important. So I talk about that. Um, I do talk a little bit about my divorce and what what I went through and, you know, kind of breaking through that to open up this new world that was more in alignment with myself. So I do talk about that. Um, And the steps I went through to decide what I wanted this organization to look like, you know, the pros and the cons of, 
you know, what do I really want and what do I really don't want? So one of the things is um, I loved my not-for-profit work. It's a part of service, right? So it's really built just like a not-for-profit. We will spin off a not-for-profit um, section of it. Um, it's just not in the business plan yet. And um, I knew I love advisory boards and working in community, but I can't stand um, like board of directors that have voting rights. Oh, because okay. I did, I did learn in the not-for-profit world that people don't always have the big, the business acumen. Yes. They just go from their heart, and it's usually not a very good decision. So, yeah. but I do have advisory councils and people that you know oh, advise cool. me on things. You know, or I ask, or I'll say, "Hey, I'm making a decision. Who wants to be a part of it?" You know, I really want to hear from all different people, and and I do that in the community a lot. Like, "Hey, I'm stuck. Who wants to help?" Because I, I just work better that way. No, it's That's, amazing to have those yeah. resources, to have those oh, people you can turn to, right. especially to have that kind of vulnerability and openness to say, hey, I need help. Yeah, yeah. You know, so many people are just kind of, it's hard to ask for help. It's hard. Maybe they think they're appearing weak, whatever it may be, but it's good that yeah. you're able to reach out. Yeah, I wasn't always, but for for creating that, I did. And in the second book, I talked about, Breaking through that next level was asking for help, admitting what I didn't know, and being able to receive as much as ask. Being able to receive help was really, really hard. Uh, and I wrote about the mistakes I made along the way, bad hiring mistakes, bad debt, bad all sorts of things. So I, I forget how many mistakes are in there. So <laughs> yeah, so I wrote about the mistakes I made to get to my level of success. That's amazing. Yeah. So I really share... I'm very vulnerable in these books, but it, I'm okay. I with think, it. I, I mean, I think that's what people want to hear too. Yeah. I mean, they don't want to hear just about the success. They want to hear about the trip ups, you know, the little detours that might've happened on your path to where you are now, you know, that's more relatable. I think they get kind of, yeah. um, kind of maybe discouraged if they're just seeing success stories, they want to see everything behind the curtain, all the chaos in the kitchen before, Exactly. You know, the final story is told. Exactly. And I think that's what both books and the third one will be there to show, right? They talk about, I mean, there's people that's talking about drug problems, addictions, homelessness, losing their kids, bad divorces. I mean, there are some amazing stories in this book that, you know, both the first one creating it and the second one success that, you know, people had to go through a lot. And I think that's important to show entrepreneurship isn't easy. And I say that multiple times in the second book. It is not mm. easy. And there are plenty of days I wake up and go, do I still want to do this? Is this really what I want to do? Is there an easier way? But, um, you know, I, actually we had a, an inner circle hiking trip this past weekend. And someone said, you know, I shared that, you know, sometimes I still have those days. And they're like, do you have a plan B? And I'm like, no. And someone said, you know, I always felt like if you had a plan B, your yeah. plan A is never going to work out. And I was like, nope, I've never had a plan B. Never even thought about a plan B. <laughs> yeah, that is true. When you're so yeah. focused on something that you don't even give a consideration of plan B. Whereas if you're thinking of a plan B, you're planning a plan B that's taking energy away from that first focus. So exactly, I, yeah. I love that kind of advice. Yeah, yeah. And I do speak about focus in this uh, next book that's coming out as as well because I learned the hard way last year that I let my focus go in too many directions 
Yeah. And it ended up hurting. Like I was just mediocre in a lot of things. And that is not the way I do business. I usually pick one thing. Great book, by the way. The one thing. <laughs> yeah, and, I've heard of it. Um, just do that. So I talk about that book all the time. Yeah. I think I'll have to have you thing. back to talk about that. Oh my book. God. I think that's one of the best books. I have like a few favorites that I tell every single entrepreneur. That is one of them. The one thing. Yeah. And, and the one thing I think it's, it's one that's popped up so many times in the last couple of weeks, whether I'm looking for something online and it pops up or it's suggested by Amazon or I hear yeah. some people talking about it. It's Give like a two you... hour read too. It's like really thin. Oh, those are the best. Yeah. <laughs> those <laughs> are the read best. It tonight. <laughs> when I, yeah, exactly. When I, when I order a book and I didn't look at the page count and it gets here and it's like a Bible, you know, no offense to the Bible, but I don't, I don't like focusing too much on the same story or the same author for too long. Yeah. And that would lead me to read three or four different books that had three or four different energies, messages. I do that. My, my, my uh, resolution in 2023, if there's any resolution I'm keeping, is just sticking to one book at a time. So I'm very particular about I what I read. So when somebody tells me, hey, you could read this book in a day or a night, but it's chock full of information, you're not sacrificing any value, I'm all for it. That's a hard, I couldn't do that. I always have four or five books going nope. at a time. No, I was the different same energies. It feel, it's, yes. it's what I feel like, and that I always yes. have it, one going on Audible. So listen, and listen, you don't you don't need I to justify listen. it to me. I completely yeah. get it. You know, at the end of the day, you're like, okay, whose voice am I up for? Whose yep. energy am I up for? Mm -hmm. Am I? Do I want to be motivated? Do I want to be inspired? Do I not want to think too much and I just kind of be entertained by the writing, whatever it may be? But exactly. it's amazing when you reach out and you have your pile. You're like, okay, which one do I want to cover? It. it I like that, but at the same time, I'm challenging myself just to stick to one. So it's working exactly. so far. <laughs> Good Camille, when it, when it comes to the first book, can you just kind of give some examples of some of the chapters and what people may find when they open the cover and, and dive into that journey? Yeah. So the beautiful thing about this is you do not have to read it from cover to cover. I think that's the beauty of all of these books, by the way, is you can um, really just go through the table of con uh, contents and, and pick a chapter that, you know, sings to you. I'm looking for a name right here. Right. So um, my my chapter, what is it called? Staying in your lane of joy, um, creating your ultimate dream job. So you can start with that or or if you want to do something else, you can jump to someone who's in sound healing. Right. And you can see what that was. Hers was all about her first business card, you know, and how her first business card kind of changed her life. And I thought that was pretty amazing. Um, um uh, we have one who's a brand manager mm -hmm. and she talks about own your magic, become magnetic with a soul aligned brand. Like how do you talk and how do you use words that make other people understand what you do? Right. So you could literally just jump to whatever that looks like to you. We had um, someone write about how do you merge your business with your spirituality? You know, if you're if you're a CPA or a doctor or an accountant, oh, that's the same thing. Uh, or a lawyer, <laughs> right? Um, how do you merge this other side of you into making money? And that's in here too. And and we do have a an attorney in here that gave up her practice. 
you know, that's all in this first book, but it's yeah. the first book. I felt that there was this common thread in the first book of, cause I don't read it until the, till before we publish, I read it after everyone signed off on their chapters and they're done. And then I read it from cover to cover. And I found that there was this common thread of a point in life where they had this aha moment and then everything pivoted and they went in this new direction. And I think the stories are different, but they're all kind of the same too. So no matter what people were doing in life, they had this moment and then they pivoted and they chose to go in this new direction and, and build a business from it. So that's what this first book is about. And I, and I found it incredibly inspiring in just incredibly inspiring at every level. There is not a bad chapter in that book. Really, really good book. Yeah. I like the way it's done just because again, as evidenced by my ADHD, when not picking a, you know, uh, back in the day when just kind of having all these books and whatnot, yeah. um, I like that it mixes up people's stories, mm -hmm. you know, people that are at a certain level of success or a certain level of uh, business ownership. Uh, and it's like this podcast, it's like your podcast, which, which kind of influenced your first book where it's like all these different stories. You know, if, if you come on this series with me, you're, you're typically a reader, you love books. Mm -hmm. Um, typically it is somebody that stands out in my network, not somebody that's mega successful or anything, but just is putting right. out good energy is putting out great messaging. Isn't just doing the traditional networking of liking and this and that, but is really out there trying to contribute to their environment. It's the same kind of thing where it's like I have all these guests and they all have individual unique stories, but we're all working towards the same thing. We're trying right. to get that value out there. We're trying to create communities of value, of worth, uh, of realization, of people being able to realize about themselves that they have so much to offer. So I love that it has that that um, just that variety of experiences and voices. And and like you said, there are so many people from different specialties, backgrounds, educations, you figure out that you have more in common with somebody who's a lawyer, even if you're, yes. you know, a doctor or you're a construction worker or you're whatever it may be. It's amazing how much our stories can be a common factor um, that we have more in common than we think we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally agree. Now, Camille, in, in, I've seen what goes into, well, part of it. From my angle, I can see <laughs> right. a good amount of what goes into putting this thing together, getting Laura's for the second book, getting Laura's emails about, you know, your your deadlines, the editing, here's a proof, get it back to me, yada, yada, yada. Aside from the writing aspect, but you can include some writing lessons. What, how did these processes, how did the process of the first book, what did you walk away from uh, with it, uh, with from it? What did you what did you take away? You know, you go into it with one idea of what it might look like, but when it's all said and done and you see the book and you read that first full manuscript of of the final proofs, how did this change you as a soul aligned professional? How did it reinforce your ideas, your values, your mission? What what changed in you with that first book coming out? So I think it came out way better than I had imagined. Right. Um, I knew it was a project. So really I was just managing another project, but I was managing a bunch of people with two thirds of them. I didn't know anything much about them. I did interview every single person, but, um, 
so I wasn't a hundred percent sure what it was going to look like, um, what those stories were going to be. But, um, you know, we, we give everyone guidelines, uh, but I don't really know. And I don't read it. And I think that's, that's just trusting the process because I mm. do not read them. I do not tell people what I think or feel until after I've read everything and after they can't go back and change anything. Um, so for me, that first book was, that was a wow, you know, to all of a sudden be like, wow, I'm an author. And then. I thought it was a book way better than I could have even imagined putting out and it. The stories were fantastic. And then we hit the bestseller list in six categories, you know, um, to watch the day of launch, you know, to watch all those rankings go up. So watch the reviews come out, you know, that that's like a whole nother level. It's uh, it's so much fun. It's so exciting. Um, but it feels like a huge accomplishment, huge mm. accomplishment. You know, um, I'm not as nervous in the second book. Um, you know, there was no hiccups, um, which we had a few hiccups in the first book. Um, but I, I learned from it and I trust the process. Just like when I didn't have the 25 and I went with 22, I'm like, it just is what it is. That's okay. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of trusting the process and trusting that, you know, there's other professionals on this and, um, knowing that whatever comes out is what's supposed to come out. That's the way it's supposed to be. So. Yeah. That's something that's come up a lot in this series too, is just kind of doing what you can, putting in what you can for the work yeah. to get to the final product. But once the final product is out, whether it's a book, whether it's a service, whether it's a Ted talk, whatever it may be, you kind of be detached from that. You know, you yep. put in what you yeah. could, you did the best you could, you poured your heart into it. You kind of just let it go and let it get yeah. out there. Yeah. Books, books. Um, a lot of people think that there's like a lot of money in books, but like if you cover costs, you've done pretty well in life, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. books are really marketing pieces. And so people can get to know you. So I feel like, um, after it's out and we got it to market that that job is done. You know, I'm still, I'm still talking about it. I know as course, the second book comes out, people will buy the first book. So it's kind of like that legacy and that piece, which is really, really fun. Um, it's, it's awesome to say that you are a co-author in a book. Um, you know, so, but I definitely detach from it. Definitely detach from it and just be like, okay, it's out there. Let's, let's see how it does. So, so aside from book three in this trilogy, and, and when did you decide it was going to be a trilogy? I mean, I know not I when, because you you knew, okay. From the beginning, I just knew. When I signed the first one, I was like, there'll be three books. <laughs> okay. I just knew it. When I was working with the designer to do the front cover art, I was like, there'll be three. So they have to look, they have to have the same themes and ideas. There'll be different colors, you know. And awesome. Yeah. So they'll they're all be very similar. So you can tell that they're a trilogy. But I knew... I knew when I signed on that there would be three. So aside from that third book yeah. in this trilogy, um, once you write your own, what do you think that's going to be about? If, okay. if you already have a general idea. My own? Yeah. It's going to yeah. be, it's going to be, um, you know, staying in your lane of joy, which is the, the name of my first chapter in the first book. Um, and really probably about, my road to success, but lessons along the way, probably a little deeper, you know, cause my road is really in each of these books. So it'll probably be, 
you know, um, taking all of those, but really doing more lessons. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I don't know about the first book, but for the second book, our limit was like three thousand words. Yeah, the first book was twenty five hundred. Yeah, so you can extrapolate like little mentions you made in there and have chapters based on like a sentence or two that you already wrote in these books. So yeah, yeah, I have I have an outline going because I have a, a notebook for all of the books, right? And what I think will happen. Um, and as I think of things, there's like a section for that solo book and, and I write my thoughts in there, you know, cause once awesome. I start writing it, it just comes out, which is really funny cause I never looked at myself as being a writer at all, you know, but I let that belief go and now I'm a writer. Was it just kind of a mentality of like, okay, I got these authors assembled. I have to contribute something. So I got to get over that belief that I'm not a writer and just do it. Yeah, well, even in that first book, I didn't believe I was a writer. And I remember getting pretty mad at Laura for not making a lot of edits. And she's like, but these, <laughs> she's like, these are your words. Why would I change them? Yeah. And I was like, well, I never huh? looked at it. I was like, but I write <laughs> like I speak. And she's like, yeah. And that's usually a pretty good strategy. I'm <laughs> like, oh, you know, so I stopped saying that I don't write and I do write, but I have to kind of write on something that I'm passionate about. I just can't, like, I, Blogs are tough because I'm forced to put out one every week, stuff like that. So now I use prompts or my staff says, you know, hey, you did a lot. I do videos all the time. You did a live. Let's take the words from that. We'll download it and write a blog from there. You know, something like that. So that's a little easier for me. You just, I mean, with anything in life, you just have to work within your own limits or boundaries or likes, you know. So I do what I like to do. If I don't like to do it, I don't do it. Absolutely. It doesn't feel good. There's that, there's that freedom. Yeah. So I've learned that. Look at that. I'm a pretty good writer. Awesome. Yeah. Camille, in working towards wrapping up here, is there anything that you want to share about what you're up to these days? Anything you want to put out there or share with this audience at all? Um, For anyone, you know, that's soul aligned, that would like their business um, to check out our community at soulprofessional.com. Even if it's free and you're just looking for people that, the best, um, not gift, but the best thanks I get is, wow, I didn't even know there was a community like me out there, you know, and there are, there's people like you out there, uh, and that are doing really amazing things. So if you feel like you're stuck or you're in a job that you don't think that you can freelance off of or create your own, you can, you can, you might have to be creative, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, I would recommend that anybody try it just because I think, I've met so many people and coached so many people that they want to get out there and experiment even within themselves, even if they're an entrepreneur in their organization, but they're just so tied to the deliverables of a job description that they kind of give up on themselves. Yeah. And when they get to that point of fulfillment, it's that they've gone back, picked up their values, brought them forward into their job or to step out on their own. So if any, if it, if this does resonate with anybody, check out what Camille is offering because I mean, it's all about just figuring out who you are, what you want, and bringing it to your business or your organization. So, yeah. um, even just checking it out, you know, uh, exploring, there's nothing to lose. Yeah, yeah. Just, just knowing that there's people like you in the world, like you got to surround Absolutely. yourself with entrepreneurs, right? Absolutely. If you're an entrepreneur, that's what you got to surround yourself with. Absolutely. Camille, thank you so much for sitting down with me. You are so welcome, John. Thanks for having me as a guest today.
Absolutely. And that first book Camille talked about is the ultimate guide to creating your soul aligned business. It's this one right here that I have. Um, and again, the second book is coming out this summer, July, 2023. Uh, I am lucky enough to be a contributor to that. And my chapter will be platinum networking, designing a unique experience for others in a world of disconnection. It was a great process. It taught me a lot about myself. I recommend it to anybody just because I had a vague idea of what I was putting in that chapter. I knew that it was true, but there was something about writing it out, breaking it out, going back into my history, my parents' history, and just laying it out. Even in 3,000 words, that was very therapeutic. So I appreciate that that opportunity, Camille. It was a fabulous chapter, too. <laughs> really, I appreciate really good. That. Yeah, I learned a lot about you. So, yeah. 3,000 words. I mean, there. you know, there's just, there's just so <laughs> much you can learn. You have to be really succinct. <laughs> you know? But if there's anything that I might have missed in this conversation, we're limited on time, but there's so much that I want to know and I can drag Camille down rabbit holes of, of just <laughs> queries and curiosities. But if there's anything that I might have missed, do you think I should have asked, please reach out and let me know. And I will reach out to Camille to get some additional feedback or ideas. But in the meantime, thank you for watching and listening and I'll talk to you soon. Take care.